The following message is brought to you by Morgan Hill Bible Church. For all things MHBC, connect with us on social media and check us out online at mhbible.org. My guess is many of you have no idea what this is. This is an ancient thing that you probably only find in museums, uh, but this thing is called a map. Now, up to about 15 years ago, this is how we navigated the world. Now, when I was growing up, my grandfather would oftentimes take me to, uh, to his big designer desk and, and help me figure out how to get to some of the places we were going. And he would ultimately teach me how to use a map. And the first thing that we need to know is where we're trying to get It's not where we are, but where we're trying to get to because we want to make sure we have the right map in hand. I mean, think about it. If if I'm trying to go to lunch today in downtown Morgan Hill, having a map of California, Nevada isn't going to be helpful. It's got too much information on it. But if I'm trying to go visit my in-laws in Oklahoma, this map has not enough information on it. And so you need to understand your destination. And so once we had our destination figured out, we would have to then open up a map because they normally have two sides, right? They're cool and pretty. Then you got to figure out which is the top and which is the bottom, which I'm struggling with right now. Here we go. And then we lay it out on his table. I don't have a big table where you can see it, so we're using a whiteboard. And from there... We then start by circling our place. This is where we're trying to get to. Today, we're going to try to get to Tahoe because who doesn't love Tahoe? So we're going to go there. Once we have our destination, what do you do? You know, hey, this is where we're at. We live in Morgan Hill. And then from there, you have to then figure out the roads. I'm going to do this bad because we're going to go fast. To get to your location. And then once you have that, what do you do? You have to then study the map to make sure that you know the directions in which you're getting because we don't have the blessing of Siri saying, turn right. You would have to learn to navigate the map by studying it, learning it. Then you would ultimately fold the map up, bring it back inside the car with you so that when you're driving, you can pull it out when you get lost, or even when you're not lost, to make sure you're still heading in the right direction. Today, as we continue in this series called I Am, where over the last few weeks, we've been looking at this amazing, uh, the amazing declarations that Jesus gave of himself, which was I Am. He'd fill it out, different characteristics of who he is. Today, we're going to be looking at how Jesus gave us a map. And he gave us clear directions in that map. And he gives us, and having those clear directions give us peace. And he ultimately gives us something to do with the map. Because here's here's the truth. No one gets lost when they have clear directions. It's only when we don't have clear directions that we become lost. And so if you have your Bibles, you can open up to John chapter 14, John chapter 14, and uh, we're going to be starting at verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, it should be on the screens behind me. And it says this, 
Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. also From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. Believe me that I am the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on the account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will do, because I am going to the Father. Wherever you ask... In my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, my guess is, like me, most of you have been trained to come to a new chapter and when you're reading with the understanding that everything that's happened previously has been wrapped up. Like, when we get history books or even books today, when we are reading and we get to a new place, we have this understanding that what has happened before is completed. It's important for where we are at, but the thought, we're not in the middle of it. We're not picking up something. And that can be problematic for when we read scripture. And the reason for that is because the chapters and verses were added after its completion as a way for us to get somewhere. It's exactly what we were able to do today because I said, go to John 14. Now, when they put those chapters and verses in, it was at the end of a scroll, not the end of a thought or the end of something. And so there are many times in scripture where you're picking up what would be a start of a new chapter, but you're really in the middle or at the beginning of something. And this is one of those times. And for us to truly understand why Jesus says, do not let your heart be troubled in verse one, we need to, I'm going to very quickly summarize a chapter and a half before it, because we are actually picking up in the middle of a dinner party. Now that dinner party is called the Last Supper. And the reason why we know it's the Last Supper is because we have the foresight of what's to come. (laughs) They didn't. And so try to imagine what it would be like to be in this dinner party. What would it be like to be sitting there and these events taking place? 
So before they even get to the dinner party, um, we are told that Jesus is going to Jerusalem to celebrate the Jewish Passover, which is this beautiful declaration of how God saved his people in Egypt. And it was something they were supposed to celebrate year in and year out, and so they are doing it. The disciples have a lot of anxiety towards it because they don't want to be in Jerusalem because there are men who want to kill Jesus, and all of them tend to live in Jerusalem. So it's probably not wise to go where? (laughs) To Jerusalem. And so they end up going into Jerusalem into this upper room. And they're in this upper room having a meal. And it says in chapter 13 that at some point, Jesus is brought to awareness that his time is coming to an end. And so he gets up off the table. He walks over to a place. He starts to unstrip, to strip off his clothes to get into work attire grabs a bowl and some uh, a washcloth and walks back to the table and starts to wash the feet of his disciples. I don't know about you guys, but that alone would make me very uncomfortable. Like if you're at my house and you came for dinner and then all of a sudden unannounced get up and start cleaning my bathroom, I would feel so uncomfortable. But in many ways, that's what Jesus was doing. They had already washed their feet. That was a ritual they had to do. And now he's showing back up and doing it, but with no clear reason of why. And then from there, he then says that the son of God has not come to be served, but to serve. And you are no greater than your master. And so he's saying that this is a declaration that you are supposed to do what I do. And so you are called to serve others. And right after this whole event takes place, he goes, hey, by the way, guess what? One of you tonight is going to betray me. Then after that, he says, oh, hey, also, I'm leaving and you can't come. Then after that, one of his disciples says, no, 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 no. There's no place in the world you can't go that I won't go. And he says, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows tomorrow. Less than 24 hours, you're going to say, I don't exist and you do not know me. All of this has taken place and we're still in the middle of that dinner party. I don't know about you guys, but if you're at a dinner party with people, all those things, events have already happened. You're like, that's enough for a lifetime. Um, It was so nice to meet you guys. You can go on your way. I'm tired. That was a lot. But Jesus is just getting started. And that's when we get to where we're at in the text. And he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. Why is Jesus saying, don't let your hearts be troubled? Because their hearts are troubled. I would be anxious if the guy that I've been following for for three years saying, hey, I'm disappearing. Someone's going to betray me. Um, And he started washing my feet. That would bring me angst. And so he says to them, don't let your hearts be troubled. And he says the reason why. He says the reason why your hearts aren't to be troubled is because I'm going to the Father. What Jesus is doing is he's giving them the destination of the map, where he is going Now, when you hear that, my guess is, for many of us, we have an assumption of what that means. 
many of us believe that the destination, rather, this is point one, by the way, that Jesus is giving the, des- the declaration, or that Jesus is giving him the destination is that first point. And many of us believe when he's saying that, it's heaven. Now, if you're in the room and, and you're saying that, I want to say you're not wrong, but you're also not right. You're not wrong, but you're not right. Because does Jesus say later on that no one gets to heaven except through me? No, what does he say? I'm asking. What does he say? The Father. What does Philip ask? Show us the Father. I'll try again. What does Philip ask? Maybe this people. Father. Ah, thank you guys. Hey, we want audience participation. See, what he's saying here is the destination is the Father, not heaven, not a location. The destination is the Father. And too often, so many of us get caught up focusing on a location rather than the creator of the location. Let this sink in for a moment. Jesus isn't saying to them that you have peace. The reason why you don't have to let your hearts be troubled is because I'm going to heaven. He's saying, no, the reason why you can have peace, the reason why you don't have to be anxious about everything I've just shared to you is because I'm going to the Father, the creators of heaven and earth, the creators of all things, that peace comes not from a place, but rather the creator of all places. And that is the declaration from Genesis chapter one to the end of Revelation. That Jesus longed, or God longed, to be united to his creation. And for a brief moment, that happened. Where he could walk amongst us in the garden where we were in stride with him, getting to experience him. And then something happened. Sin entered into that space, causing a divide between God and his creation. And his promise from that moment on to us wasn't because we were good or faithful, but rather his promise was, I will reunite us again. And so what does he do? He finds a people group that he can then use them to declare his truth that he wants to be united with him. In that people group, he creates a thing called the tabernacle, a place where he can dwell in the midst of it. Then he has those people make a temple for him to be in so that he can be in the midst of his creation. Then Jesus comes so he can then walk amongst his creation. And then after Jesus' death and resurrection, the Holy Spirit comes so that every person has the capacity to be with the Father. And so the question that I want to ask you is, what are you focusing on? Are you focusing on a location? 
or rather the creator of that location. Because what, what God is saying, what Jesus is telling them is, you've got to make sure you have the right map. You've got to have the right map. And if you've got the wrong map, it doesn't matter how hard you try, you're going to end up at the wrong place. See, the destination is the Father. And so then Thomas says to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. How do we know the way? Now, Thomas gets a bad rap. Most people throughout history have given, called him Doubting Tom. Doubting Tom. And the reason for that is because the two major points that we read about him in Scripture comes with his questions. The first one is the one we just read. I don't know the way. The second one is after his friends saw Jesus after his resurrection, he wasn't a part of it and goes, I want to make sure I get to see the holes in the hands and feet. Now, I think Thomas is just honest. Because if I had a bunch of you guys tell me you saw a dead guy, (laughs) I'd want some proof myself. But what I think we need to understand is this, is that Thomas's boldest moments became his best moments. Because what Thomas does is something that many of us don't do. Thomas takes his doubts, his fears, his confusions to Jesus. When we don't. Most of us take our doubts, our fears to our bank accounts, to our wine, to our friendships, to the things that we own. Instead of running to the Father to ask us for clarity about what we are facing, we'd run to subtle things on the earth that will never give us direction or understanding. And so instead of taking our doubts and our fears to God, we take our doubts and our fears to things that cannot give us an answer. And what we need to understand is, is that our doubts, when they are brought to God, have a way of revealing, reforming, and maturing our understanding of God, his character, and his faithfulness. When we bring our doubts, our fears, like Thomas does, to the Father, what does he do? He brings clarity. The problem is, for many of us, we're like, well, I do that. We're just not wanting to receive the clarity. We think we have an answer of what that should look like, and when it goes against our natural thought, We go, oh, that must not be the right answer. But Jesus Jesus always wants to bring clarity to us. And so when we bring our doubts and our fears, our angst to him, it helps reform and expand our understanding of the creator of heaven and earth. Now, he doesn't just get mad and go, how dare you ask those questions? Because what does he say to Thomas? He he doesn't say, how dare you, Thomas? Shouldn't you figure this out yet? No, he goes, no, Thomas, the way to the Father is me. I am the way, 
the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. And so what is, what is Jesus doing here? He's giving them the directions. Number two, he's giving us those directions. And he says the directions are himself. They're Jesus. The directions are himself. Now, this is hard for a lot of us, right? There's a lot of people in the world today when we say, like, oh, there's one way to the Father, and that is through Jesus. Well, what about good people? Or what about this? Or what about that? And the analogy I often try to give to someone is, is this. And now, I'm going to be honest. It's a little broken. It's not perfect. But hopefully, it gives you an imagination of, of, of this, what Jesus is declaring. Many of the people that work here work for companies that have you know, things scattered through all out the world. And let's just say, for, for instance, that your boss shows up to you and says, hey, I want you to go check in on one of our plants that are in Germany. How are you going to get there? There's one way. It's on an airplane. Now, you can't get mad at your boss for saying, no, you can't drive to Germany. You can't get a car, no matter how hard you try, through the ocean. It just doesn't work. And so there is one way there. It's in a plane. Now, what is the beautiful promise that every airline gives us when we get on a plane? That you will always end up where? At your destination. You might have some stops along the way, but what is the promise that they will get to you? And what are you not afraid of when you get on that plane? That if I'm getting on a plane for Germany, then I'm going to end up in France? No. Because the promise is that if you're taking the plane whose destination is Germany, you will always end up in Germany. And so when, when Thomas is asking for clarity and for, dis, for directions on how to get there, he says, the directions are me and my promise and declaration to you is that when you are obedient to that truth, you will always end up at the Father. There's no other place. It is the directions to get there. It's where you're going and it's where you will be. And so Philip hears this and he gets a little bold. He says, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. So what is, what is Philip asking? He's asking for a sign, another sign. He's doing what every human throughout history has done. And is, wait, if that is true, then let me just see one more thing. Now, in Scripture, we see times when people ask for signs, and it's good, and other times when people ask for signs, and it is bad. There's a time when, in the Old Testament, there's a guy named Gideon who says that the angel of the Lord appears to him and says, you're going to do a mighty thing for God. And he's like, wait, what? <laughs> Me? Okay, here, I want you to, I'm going to put this blanket out, and you're going to make it wet to make sure that I, I hear you. But then you have a, another group of people who ask for another sign after they've just been fed by Jesus with two loaves and a fish. Like, well, if you're really the Messiah, give us another sign. 
One is okay, the other is not. At the start of a journey, asking for signs for clarity are all for thumbs up. But at the end of a journey, the end of a time, and you're still asking for another sign, that's your sinfulness and your disobedience. And what is Philip asking? I need another sign. And, what, and how does Jesus respond to him? He says, Philip, have you not been with me so long? Haven't these three years been the sign? What more do you need? What more do you need? And so he says, Philip, if you want to know that I'm the way, the truth, and the life, he says this in verse 10, do you not believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? The first thing he says, the reason why I am the way, Philip, is because of my character. It's because of my character. Have you not seen? He goes, I have faced temptation and evil like all of humanity has. We're told this in Matthew chapter four. And know what my response to that was? It was no. When the temptation of evil, when the temptation of, of sin was at my door, where every single one of us in this room have said yes to it, I said no. No other human will ever be able to do that. That is how the Father and I are one. My character and the way I've lived my life in the years that we've been together is the ways that you should have be able to see I am the way. And then he goes on later in that verse and says, uh, in, in verse 10, it says, the words that I say, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me. Then he goes on to say, the other reason why I am the, the truth is because of the wisdom I carry is something that this world has never seen and won't see again. When, when Jesus was a, 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 you know, a preteen, there's a story where him and his family goes to the Jewish temple. And they're in, uh, to, at the temple, and it says that the, the most religious elite, people who are the biggest scholars are in the room, and Jesus is stumping them. And they are growing from this little boy in their understanding of God. Why is that? Because the words that he's declaring That's just one of the hundreds of examples that scripture give us, that he is the truth. And so Philip, the reason why I am the truth is because you've got to hear me say the truth over and over again. And it says, if my character doesn't show you that, or my words show you that, then the work should have. The work should have, Philip. Didn't you see all the signs that I have been doing and the ways in which I have been attacking and waging war against evil? Now, most of us, when we think about Jesus, we don't see him really as a warrior because our understanding of combat or war is a human against a human. But that was not the purpose of Jesus, His purpose was not to wage war against another human, but to wage war against the thing that is destroying humanity. And that was sin. And every single one of his miracles 
was a war being waged on it, on poverty, on disease, on sickness, on being left behind. There's every single one of his wars, all of his miracles, is a war against evil. And so his declaration to Philip was, that is how you can know that it's not just my words that are saying it, but it's my character, my words, and my work that make me the way, the truth, and the life. Philip, the reason I can say those things is because my life and my testimony is something you've never seen. And so you can trust in me. But I think for so many of us, we're like Philip. We're saying, just give me one more. Just give me one more. I need another sign. I need another reason to believe. I need another reason to, to look towards this map. And the question is, what else can you need? It's been laid out in front of you. So are you going to choose to study it or not? Are you going to believe or not? So then it continues where Jesus gives them their, the last thing that he gives them a declaration, something to do. He says to them in verse 12, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the work that I do and the greater works than these he will do because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. What he's saying there, is, for depending on where you grew up in, in church, if you didn't grow up at all, um, I know this has been very controversial. What is Jesus meaning that you will do greater the works than him? Now, what Jesus' greatest work was, was his death and resurrection on the cross. That work was the punishment that needed to be taken. A perfect human was taking on the punishment that sin caused, and that gift has been given to all of us. No one can do that work. But what Jesus is saying here to these men is not that you'll be able to do the, to die the way I died, to reunite heaven to earth, but rather that you'll be able to then show others the map. Your goal is not to hide this map, but to wage the war on sin like I have by pointing out the destination and the directions. By pointing out the destination and the directions because I am limited, but you, as you continue to expand, will be able to do that work as well. The problem for many of us today is what we do with this map once we've been given it. For some of us, when we've been given the map, grew up in church or you've heard this message before and we know that the destination is the Father. And so you know, we, we, we look at it and, and, and maybe we've studied it a little bit, but you know, to be honest, we've heard it all, we've experienced it all, we've seen it all, so know what we do? We fold the map up, 
put it in our back pocket, and never look at it again. And we're wondering why we're lost. We're wondering why we can't get to the places that we want to get to or why we're so filled with anxiety and fears and worries and doubts is because we've said, I've heard it, I've seen it, and that is enough. But for me to understand how to get somewhere, you know, we don't have the blessing of Siri saying, turn left here but rather we have to learn to start to study the map. To understand, to learn to have rest in the map because when we have a map with a clear destination, we won't get lost so we can be at peace. And so what was the map? It's this. And our time in community and our time in Christian community and in, in time in, in singing of songs and in time of being this, but so many of us have said, you know what? I did it, I get it, and that's enough. So I'll put it back here. And so you, you might have the right map, but you're not using it. There's others of us who just simply have the wrong map. For us, the map that we have is success. That's the destination we're pursuing. The map that we have is being loved. So that's the destination we're pursuing. The map that we have is financial stability. So that's the destination we are pursuing. And those maps... Do not give us peace. Do not give us anything else but turmoil because they do not satisfy the soul because our souls were always meant to be united with the Father. And then there's others of us who maybe are having the right map. We've been opening it. We've been studying it, but we have been hiding it from others because of our fear of what someone else will say when they look at the map. And so we're not bringing others along. This is kind of like our own little treasure map that we're hiding because we have the ultimate treasure. But what was Jesus's declaration to his disciples at the beginning? That I'm going to the Father to make room for everyone. This is a declaration that Jesus has room for all humanity, so you don't have to live in scarcity because there is room for everyone. So what should we be doing? We should be opening the map and doing exactly what my grandfather did when I was a little boy and teaching me how to read it, teaching me how to find it, and then ultimately starting to pursue it. So what map do you have in your hands? Are you pursuing the map of success? God says the ultimate success is in me, not anything of this world. Are you pursuing financial stability? God says that no matter what happens in this world, I am the stability. Are you pursuing the map that you're saying, I needed to be loved? The greatest love that you can ever experience is a love who's willing to die for you and live for you at the same time.
See, the truth is, people only get lost when they don't have clear directions. And thanks be to the, the Lord that he gave us clear directions. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful that you did not abandon us, but gave us a map, a way to navigate through life, and a way to be able to see you at work and to be able to come alongside in that journey. God, I ask that as we go about this week, that we would be able to see the areas in our lives where we need to be reminded of the directions. For some of us, Lord, I pray that we dust off the map and spend some time reading it again. Maybe for some of us, for the very first time, that we would actually say yes and start that journey. God, you want to so deeply be united to your creation. So Lord, we give you thanks that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And so we can rest that you get us to the Father. Amen. Thanks for listening. Continue the conversation with us on social media. Never miss a message and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes.